Welcome back, everybody, to the Electric Freeze podcast. I'm your host, Sean McInerney. Hope you're all doing great. This week, I'm talking with Andrew Gentili from Beings, Inflatables, Music Box, to name but a few. I've performed with him quite a few times, and I've watched him perform loads of times, and I've done a few workshops with him, and he is fantastic. He's a great teacher, he's a wonderful performer, and he's just a really great guy. And I was so keen to get him on the podcast, and I was delighted when he said yes. So without further ado, here is my chat with Andrew Gentili. How did did you get into performing? I mean, ever since I was a kid, I was probably something of a class clown. Um, and I just always enjoyed um, doing impressions of people and mimicking people. And um, back in the 80s, Dad had a video camera, and my brothers and I would sort of film sketches. Um, And that's when I remember just having so much fun. Um, So then at school, uh, there was like a drama class, and I remember enjoying that. Um, and then I finally, when I was sort of, uh, maybe about 1920, I got a, a video camera, a digital one, um, and started making my own comedy sketches with that. Wow. Uh, and then, and then I got enough sort of positive feedback from people, um, that I thought, um, and a few of them said, you know, you should, you should think about going into acting. Um, so I, I quite randomly, I, I was working as a website designer at the time, um, auditioned for the Oxford School of Drama. Um, and <laughs> I, I just learned to be or not to be uh, and uh, a passage from another play. And I literally just rolled the dice. I've got, I've got nothing to lose. I don't care if I don't get this. And they, they, they let me in. Wow. Uh, that's so I got really impressive, to... man, because that's quite an impressive drama school. So look at you. <laughs> well, it was so. Uh, it was just like a foundation course, like a six-month foundation. It wasn't like their their three-year acting, you know, BA or anything like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, and and I, I mean, it taught me a hell of a lot. Um, one of the things it taught me is that I didn't really want to be an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> How come anything in particular? You're like, nah. I mean, I mean, I think drama school. I don't know what they're like now, but you know, twenty years ago, they were. They did fit their reputation of being quite brutal. Um, you know, the whole the whole sort of br- break you down and try and build you up again. Um, they had that kind of philosophy, and I would sort of describe it as there was a, a big climate of fear. Oh um, so you could, you know, some of the teachers were love, lovely, but some of them were quite brutal. Um, and that, you know, I'd come from making comedy sketches and, you know, monkeying around and having fun. Um, and I, you know, I've not really built to strangle Desdemona every night and then kill myself <laughs> and, you know, spill my guts out. Um, that's not really me. <laughs> I'm more sort of like, you know, put on a silly voice and be an idiot. Um, well, that's quite impressive, so, though. You had that self-awareness at such a young age. You know, you knew at 1920 that, you know, that wasn't for you, but you knew the comedy and sketch kind of performing was for you. Yeah, and, and on, on that course, 
um, there would be improv. Like, you know, improv is a huge part of acting training. Mm. You know, can you take away the script and can you now uh, play that scene as that character, knowing what your character is and knowing what your motivations are, what your objectives are? Um, and so improv is a wonderful uh, acting training tool. And I just always enjoyed the improvised scenes more than the scripted ones for the most part. Oh, um, wow. So that kind of jumped out at you immediately. Yeah, I, I just thought the scenes w- were more fun to play. Uh, they were a bit more alive. And also a lot of the uh, improv exercises that they get you to do uh, are the sort of uh, kind of in line with the fun, silly things that you might do in, in an improv class. So and, and I, you know, I was absolutely in my element when we were doing that. Um, and then when it was like really heavy duty stuff, I, I still kind of liked it. And I definitely came away with some really important you know, acting lessons that I, I still incorporate today. But there are people that I think are kind of built for that kind of heavy dramatic acting. And I'm probably not one of them. Yeah, you're not like Daniel Day-Lewis, where you're going to be talking like Abraham Lincoln for seven months. You know? No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so yeah yeah okay yeah. so you you finished the foundation course and mm-hmm. what was the next step for you then did you pursue improv or was it something that kind of came along later um i actually uh a, a lot of the actors on that course then auditioned for the main drama schools to get in on a three-year uh uh course mm-hmm. and I kind of was like and i actually auditioned at rada um and but i i, I think I was kind of, I, I knew I wanted to dig into, I wasn't done with performance, so I kind of wanted to do more, but at the same time, I don't think I really wanted to do a whole three years as, as that kind of, that kind of acting. Mm. Um, it was, I, I was, I was a bit unsure. I, I knew I had more to go down here. Um, and then uh, kind of miraculously drama center um drama center london um i was you know looking at prospectuses and they had started doing an acting and film directing course um and i've always loved uh fil- filmmaking um so i thought okay well here's a course that and it was it was a master's so it was like a basically a two years thing and i i was uh, probably a, of a good age to to do that um, and yeah that came along and again I auditioned for that <laughs> again very much rolling the dice here and not really caring if I got it or not and um, I, I got in <laughs> so, um, there's a pattern emerging with your approach to things Andrew and I it, love it <laughs> it was weird but I, I just had this sense that I wasn't done with performing but I also had a sense that I feel like I'm sort of in the drama world, but I'm not of it. So I don't mm. want to do a full-blown three years emotional boot camp if it's anything like the six months I've just done at Oxford School of Drama. But I do, I, I'm not done with that, and I do want to pursue the filmmaking side of things. So the Drama Centre London course looked like absolutely ideal. And I got in, yeah. And so I moved down to London, and 18 years later, I'm still here. Oh, wow. So where are you from originally? Uh, Stratford-upon-Avon. 
Ah, okay. So it wasn't like a massive journey for you then, was it? It was like, what, two hours, is it? Yeah, just took a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. Got you. So um, you're in the big mm. city. You're doing this yep. uh, acting and directing course. Yeah. And did it click with you? Like, was it something you really wanted well, to do or were you still unsure while you were doing it? Well, w- once again, they incorporated um, a lot of improv into the, the acting training. Ah. And, and also, you, as a director, you would be directing the actors with I- improvised scenes. So from the inside, I really enjoyed doing improvised scenes, but also from the outside, I love the kind of uh, rawness and realism you got when actors were off script. Yeah. Um, and again, they got you to do a lot of silly improv games, especially at the beginning of the course. And again, I was like, okay, I'm in my element here. Um, so once that course was ended... Um, and during that course, I'd had to make a couple of films. I directed a couple of films. Um, once that course was ended, I was like, okay, clearly this pattern is when I'm doing these improvised scenes, I'm really having fun and I feel like I can cut loose. I'm not feeling that climate of fear and there's a kind of playfulness. So then I sort of went, went on, literally went on Facebook and just looked for um, improv classes in London. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I found this place called the, the Notting Hill Drama Group. Um, and it was a very sort of informal collective. And we would just do some improv games and some drama. Uh, but it was so the opposite of the, <laughs> the semi-traumatic experience of uh, the drama schools. Um, which, as I say, were, were, could be quite intimidating at times. Uh, and I was really in my element now because it was, it was fun, it was creative, it was, it was positive. Um, oh, and was this while you were at Drama Centre or was this once you'd finished Drama Centre? You this is once I'd finished, yeah. So ah. I was sort of twiddling my thumbs and thinking, <laughs> what, what am I going to do now? Um, and yeah, I just sort of you just followed that sort of inner compass of like, you know, you know what am I really, what am I really responding to and enjoying? Um, I love that. And then you sort of drop away the things that perhaps don't feel quite right. Great. So you're with the Notting Hill Drama Society. Was that right? Uh, Notting Hill Drama Group, yeah. Sorry, apologies. Notting Hill Drama (laughs) Group. And it's an opposite experience. It's like a safer, kind of warmer environment. Oh, totally. And and totally informal. It was like, you know, one evening a week. So, you know, no no obligations. I think it was free as well. I think you just sort of rocked up and, and yeah, um, it was very casual. Uh, and it was, it was very, just very playful. And, and the, it wasn't full of people who really, really, really wanted to be actors. So and then there's nothing wrong with that. And I, you know, really like those people and like working with those people in improv. But um, you had a mix of people from different backgrounds. I mean, some of them, you know came from a kind of stand-up background some of them were just people who you know worked in the city or wherever and they had a bit of a funny bone and um they they just wanted to do something yeah they wanted to i guess flex their drama muscles um so yeah and yeah it was it was very easy and good fun and was there a lot of improv involved there or was it just like a part of the process in building towards uh you know production yeah, it was almost entirely improv. Um, wow. It was really just sort of improv games. Um, and who was running and, it? And, mm-hmm. Oh, God, it was... His name was Chris. I forget... I forget his surname. It was quite a long time ago now. 
but there were but actually um uh, george rowe georgina rowe yeah uh, steve rowe's wife she was she was there really Why? yeah 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 and and one or two other people who would who would then talk about hoopla i think people would hoopla was sort of gathering a reputation at this time um and then one one day um one day i, I went went along to hoopla when it was in the bedford pub in balham oh wow this um, was very early days for hoopla super early days yeah yeah it was it was steve and edgar um, and they would run it in this this room, and and it was um, it was just a bit more organised, and had a few more people than the Notting Hill group. Um, it was perhaps a bit more structured, um, and yeah, once I'd sort of been to one of them, I was really really hooked. Now, so like by this time, it was like, oh wow, and and they clearly were ambitious. I think they'd already done a, a head an Edinburgh run. Um, and I was like, wow, this is, this is a sort of a, a ship I want to get on board. Um, so you were kind of hooked immediately yeah. once you arrived at Hoopla? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what was yeah, Hoopla yeah. like back then? Um, you know, was it, was it the same kind of ethos that Steve kind of promotes now where it's just very encouraging and it's just a fun, friendly environment? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Um, that sort of you know, Steve Rowe's signature, positive fun playful uh shake off any insecurities that kind of um that kind of ethos that he just he just sort of radiates was was totally there uh, uh obviously it, it, you didn't have all of the the classes and all of the, the it's 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 mushroomed into a, such a, a sort of a big empire now uh, but uh, you know a, a lovely empire um, <laughs> um <laughs> But it, it certainly had that energy, but it was basically a drop in, um, ah. and then and gradually you you discover like this sort of the same people were, uh, were were turning up to these drop ins and and you know there'd always be the big you know uh, pint afterwards and then you'd get to know them and you know before long you, you're making good friends and then and then one day someone says do you, do you want to come and join this group, um, yeah so. And was the group a Hoopla group, or was it an independent group that formed off the classes at Hoopla? Yeah, it was um, an independent group called Cannonball. I love the uh, name. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Uh, and it was a short-form group. I mean, everything we were doing was sort of short-form at that at that point. And um, Rhiannon and Vivian was in that group, ah. who does a lot of Hoopla stuff to this day. Um and uh, Dave Waller, who doesn't do improv so much anymore, but um, uh, he did a lot of improvised rap, um, and he was in the group, and uh, yeah, and then one one day we we Dave Waller wanted to put a show show on down in Cornwall, and he and I had started becoming good friends, and uh, he said, "Do you want to come down?" and and the group had said, uh, "Do you want to play play with us in Cannonball?" and then I did that, and that was super fun, and then. Yeah, and then we went off to Edinburgh and and did a show, uh, did a show there, and wow, it just so started you, picking you up steam. Running yeah. massively uh, with the signs like, I I think I I really felt like I I was in my element. It just it just felt like coming home. Do you know what I mean? You oh, just yeah, feel yeah. Uh, but I had to go through, um, you know, dr- uh, drama school and. Uh, 
film directing and all that. I had to go through these things to get there. So I, it's funny that how you sort of feel your way as you go along. Yeah, um, but you know once you find that thing, it might know you might know what it is, but once you connect with it, it just it just hits you. Yeah, yeah, totally, and 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 yeah, and when I remember you, I would just look forward so much to those uh, hoopla classes and um and it was so fun and it, I, I, it's there's the whole social side of it as well you know you're meeting all these other people um yeah london's a big city and uh once you get stuck into your routine there's all these people out there to meet and you're not meeting anyone yeah um, i know what you mean something like improv is such a good way to just meet all sorts of people oh yeah it's uh, so social like mm. so so social and I think it's yeah. weird, but it feels like the the for like the art form of improv just encourages that because you're so open mm. in class, it's, you can't just shut it off immediately after. So you you go for a beer, and everyone's just you know happy and open and having a lovely time. It really is, and it, it sort of it kind of brings out the best in people, yeah. um, because there's you know you, you can't be judgmental, otherwise you know you're not going to do you're not going to be in a good state for doing good improv. Um, you've got to be really open. You've got to be connected to other people. And it just brings everybody out of their shell. And then they're all going for a pint. And it's just, it's fantastic. <laughs> mm. And how did it feel doing your first few improv shows? Because coming from, you know, acting training where, mm. you know, it, there's so much analysis going into the script and your character to going on yeah. stage with literally nothing prepared and performing. Was that like a bit of a culture shock or how did you feel? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, certainly the first few shows were absolutely petrifying. <laughs> um, and... And I, I never forget that because, I, you know, I, I teach improv now for Hoopla and I always try to remember how I felt in those first few shows. Um, and I always try and, yeah, re re remember what these, you know, these beginners might be feeling because uh, I tend to teach the level two, the level two classes, which is taking people up to their first show. Um, and I try and try and remember that and and any tools i've learned along the way for uh neutralizing the fear uh, that is 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 going to be there yeah, yeah. that's so mm. important because i think once you've been doing it for a long time it's easy to forget that vulnerability at the start and that fear oh, yeah. and yeah. it's so prevalent especially because i did that course with steve and mm -hmm. you know that that show showcase at the end is so ominous in the distance, oh, God. <laughs> and you're kind of building to, and you have these peaks and troughs throughout the course. But yeah, you know, Steve created a very safe environment, and you know, you felt like whatever happened, you're going to be fine. And it sounds like you're yeah. doing exactly the same. You're creating that environment where they can take risks, and the world's not going to end if they don't get a laugh from it. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm so impressed as well because. A lot of them are very at more at ease than I was when they do their first show, and they a lot of them, most of them, will invite people they know to the shows. I mean, my first sort of you know, probably my first fifteen shows, I I really? didn't invite anyone that I knew. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I was just I, I was petrified enough with just performing to strangers. Um, so I you know I. I so uh, blown away by by the courage 
that these people are, you know, they will get up there and they'll perform in front of people they know uh, right off the bat. Um, and I think it's that hoopla, you know, that, that, that spirit. Um, mm. And they, they just, they go for it. So, yeah. Fantastic. And how long were you training in improv before you trained with Keith Johnson? Because you did the 10-day intensive at the Loose Moose, didn't you? Yes. Um, Keith didn't actually, Keith himself didn't teach me during that, during that course. Um, it was, it was Dennis and um, Sean McKinley. Uh, so I think Keith would teach the odd class there, but he didn't teach me for the intensive that I did. No, I was just going to say, because Steve with the Hoopla method, you know, uses certain elements of the Johnstonian approach because obviously he's done mm. classes with Keith Johnson himself. And, yes. you know, he also uses stuff from IO. So I was curious, mm -hmm. having trained with Hoopla and coming from, a, you know, a theatrical background, how mm -hmm. did you find the loose, smooth Johnstonian approach? Because that'd be very much a theatrical, theatrically based improv approach. Yeah, I, it was a good fit. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that course. It was quite uh, character led. Um, I'm I'm definitely more naturally comfortable with the uh, sort of acting pathway into improv. Uh, you know, you've got the sort of the game side of things where yeah. it's more, perhaps more conceptual. Um, and I'm blown away by performers that are really uh, gifted at, at game. Um, I'm probably not one of them. Um, and <laughs> it's something that I want to, uh, you know, I'd love to... I've sort of dabbled in it, and I, I did David Shaw's um, Harold Harold classes, um, and yeah, I, I'm in awe of those performers. It's probably not my sort of natural comfort zone. So yeah, the more uh, uh, yeah, the Keith Johnson style was it was probably a bit a bit bit of a better fit. Um, yeah, yeah. So. And and what was your big takeaway from that course? Was there anything that kind of altered the way you performed or did you feel that it developed you as a performer in any way? Um, I don't have, it was, it was kind of a continuation of hoopla in a way. So mm. I was kind of in my element. I mean, I, I just, I, there was a real spirit of fun. Um, and yeah, it, it was, yeah, I, I, I don't think anything particularly hit me. It was, as I say, it was kind of an extension of whatever I was doing at Hoopla. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I, and it was quite sort of uh, game-based um, and character-led. So, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. Great. And did you see any shows that stood out to you at Loose Moose? Uh, I remember seeing some of the shows. Um, I don't know if they were... God, I, I can't remember any, any of the specific groups that I saw there, mm. um, but just the talent on show. And, and um, Sean McKinley is very funny. I remember, I remember <laughs> that. He was, he was a great laugh. Um, and he was and one he of your did, teachers. He was a teacher, yeah. And uh, his, his gorilla impression is legendary. <laughs> uh, it's, still, it's still emblazoned in my brain. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, Yes, that, that those were things that sort of stood out from 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 that. Uh, 
Got you. Because um, you, you also did the IO summer intensive as well. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's obviously a, a different approach. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between IO and the mm. Johnstonian approach, but it, it's different in a lot of ways as well. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find that? Oh, God, I, I, I loved that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, also, because it's, um, you know, it, it was, what, six, six weeks in living in chicago um i mean that was just incredible so and and it was four days a week of classes um and then watching tons of shows and hanging out with your classmates uh, that that really was special um yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed the the io uh and and i do remember seeing some you would see a, a big variety of acts there and because you were there for so long, you know, you saw a ton of shows. Uh, and I saw some really inspiring shows there. Um, Anyone yeah. in particular? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so Dummy were really impressive. Oh, yeah, they're um, fantastic. Yeah, they're a, a sort of a, a duo, a husband and wife duo. Uh, and wow, just incredibly detailed, immersive uh, character, narrative-led Tuprov, um, yeah, that that was that was really something. Um, especially coming from all the quickfire games and things that we'd done uh, in, in with Hoopla, uh, so that was inspirational. Um, and the the I think it was the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Oh um, yeah, they're incredible. Wow, I mean, unbelievable. The you know iambic pentameter. Uh, weaving in all of these references into their rhymes and the rhymes actually worked i know um and wow they they just totally had that blend of having an absolute ball on stage and the craft was incredible um and i think that's my favorite improv when you've got those two things firing on all cylinders yeah, it's hard uh, not to enjoy it because you're having so much fun because they're having so much fun, but yet the actual commitment and the technique is, you know, superb as well. So it's just impossible not to enjoy it. T- totally, totally. Um, mm. And did any teachers at IO stand out to you? Yes. Um, now, I've got to remember, because I had, I think it was five, five teachers. I had Caesar in week one. He was... He was brilliant. Yeah, he's hilarious. Um, and hilarious in shows. Um, and he did some show where he had this puppet of a cat that was very real. And <laughs> <laughs> the stuff he was making come out of its mouth. Oh, was that this felt? Really... Yeah, yes, it yeah. was felt. That was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, that was hilarious. For anyone um, listening, felt is an improvised puppet show that IO did. And it was very foul most but it was absolutely hysterical oh god i mean that that was extraordinary again when they're creating that you know that 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 a climate of of really going for it and uh you know precise notes good notes mm. um and just re- enabling that creativity and he did he did one sort of ex- uh, not really an exercise but he actually got the class to uh, the, the the class to give feedback to the students but it was sort of framed as kind of uh you know what what do we like that andrew is doing 
And then what what would we like to see him do more of? It's just a lovely way of framing, you know, framing it. Yeah. Uh, and that was so interesting to see, you know, see what your classmates have to say about that. Uh, uh, it's, it's a horribly nerve-wracking experience that when you're sitting in the chair and you're waiting to hear yeah. it. But it's lovely. But as it happens, it's really nice. But um, I, yeah. I, I had to go through that myself. So I understand where you're coming from. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously they're two very different approaches. What mm. which elements did you did you find you can add it to your toolkit in terms of like John Stoney approach and the IO? Um, I mean, do, do you know what? It's it's funny. I, I actually haven't read any of the <laughs> any of the core texts <gasps> of of improv. Um, you rebel. I, well, no, I don't. I I, I just and I, I you know I should do and I. <laughs> I should do. Um, I'm very much kind of like, I, I'm, a, I learn by, I, I've got to get up and do stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've got yeah. to get it into my bones. Um, and I, 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 I highly, I don't advocate that for other people. <laughs> I think you should be as well read as possible. And I, I should read these, these books. For me, I literally, uh, uh, go, do a course and I follow the instructions and if I find an exercise that I really uh, that really resonates with me mm. then I sort of I, I write it down and I sort of gradually build a uh, a sort of toolkit of exercises and then when I'm teaching I bring those I bring those into it um, ah right yeah yeah so I, I sort of that's sort of how I, I just sort of remember, okay, what were really, I sort of remember these things by the exercises I did and, and yeah. And some of the shows that I saw and things that inspired me. Mm. Um, and I just sort of, sort of pinch bits from here, here and there. Uh, you know, I did a, a little bit of UCB stuff and I, I did, um, uh, I trained a couple of times with PGRAPH in Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I mean that, that I, 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 probably especially resonated with them because they were all about um, long-form narrative. And I think they really had that down. And which theatre um, is that in Austin? Is that the Hideout? That's right, yeah, the Hideout Theatre, yeah. Okay, and that's the one that clicked with you in terms of most things you kind of use in your own kind of performing and teaching. That, that's right, yeah. Like, th their shows blew me away. I first saw them in Edinburgh. and their their shows absolutely blew me away because they i think they had what i i was really looking for at that time which was a really good blend of um the drama and the improv and they were really were doing improvised plays um and but they had meticulously researched these different genres of play wow and but uh, and, and actually uh, roy um from pgraph I think he phrased it as, you know, when you're doing a show, you're doing two shows. There's the show, which is the uh, fictional narrative that you're putting forward for the audience. And the other show is the interplay between the players. Uh, you know, the dynamic between the performers. Love that. And, That's a really cool and, way of looking at it. And, and, and I thought he just hit the nail on the head. All the shows that I really love have that balance of, and I think I mentioned it before, that balance of impeccable craft, but also having so much fun and just having a laugh with, with your friends on stage. Um, and I think that's how, you, that's how you strike gold. Oh, I totally agree. 
totally agree. And you've been in quite a few musical improv teams, like uh, Music mm. Box and the Improvised mu- uh, Comedy Musical. W- how did that come about? When did you get into musical improv? Um, yeah, th- this, this <laughs> it was kind of a surprise to me because <laughs> I'm not I'm not a singer. Um, as as anyone who's seen me uh, perform, and probably my teammates in Music Box will, will attest um, <laughs> that. Uh, you know, but basically, um, I just got an, an, an invitation to audition for Music Box one day, and I, I think the uh, a lot of the original uh, people who started up Music Box, um, a bunch of them had left, and Music Box were looking to recruit other people, and to my surprise, um, they they uh, invited me to audition, and I. I had done some singing before when we were doing short form games and you play sounds like a song. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I don't know why they, <laughs> I don't know why they've asked me to audition for this, but I've got nothing to lose because I, I'm not, I'm not that <laughs> so bothered it, about. <laughs> so it was the same way you approached drama school was this musical improv <laughs> audition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I love the people in it, you know, yeah, Steve. Steve was in it, and and George and uh, Maria, and you know there were loads of, of great people in there. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm up for whatever. Um, and yeah, I auditioned, and they they seemed to like it. So, um, were you nervous before, or did you just think, let's just do this and see what happens? I I mean, yes, a, a bit nervous, but because I didn't I didn't really care about um, getting in or not. Uh, and because I had done a little bit of singing before yeah. in, in the in thing, I, I was, I was pretty relaxed. Um, Why? Cause I've done singing before and I find musical improv the most nerve wracking thing ever. I mean, it, it, it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it is absolutely nerve wracking. Um, and as I was say, for, for those reasons, I, I wasn't as petrified <laughs> as I might might have been. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. I, I think also, look, that the fact that they they knew I'm not a, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not so bad a singer that I'm going to like burn down the the show <laughs> and and you know ruin <laughs> the, the you know in music box. Uh, I base you know Tom Hodge who's. Uh, fantastic he he plays the music mm. and i just sort of roar along with it and it <laughs> seems to work uh you know but i, I sort of describe myself as a shower singer um <laughs> and you know so i i, I had a sufficient level that it, it was you know and i think they knew that which is why they invited me to have a go in the audition um and and the other thing was you know when you're putting together a musical group as long as you've got some people who really can raise the roof and have these wonderful ethereal voices, mm. you can afford to have one or two Bob Dylans in the group <laughs> who, you know, maybe are not the best singers, but hopefully can drop into character. And I think they were looking for someone who can um, uh, bring some of the character and the drama in. And they were kind of like, we, we, we've got this when it comes to the singing, so we, 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 we're okay if, if, uh, if, if you're not, you know, Pavarotti. Fair play. Uh, I like that. I like that. So you were, you were bringing a missing element, not necessarily in the singing department, to Music Box. I, I think if, if I can 
rationalize why the hell they asked me to come in that's my best best guess yeah <laughs> got you and do you feel like having done musical improv it's developed you as a performer in any way in terms of like improv or in general yeah absolutely um when you're doing musical improv the emotions are so uh, I mean, they drive the entire show and they drive every song you're doing. And if you're not passionate about something, then, you know, good, good luck singing a song about it. So you have to know what your character is passionate about. Um, and you absolutely have to. So then, yeah, so then you can br bring that into other forms of improv. And when I'm teaching short form and when I'm performing short form, I always treat it as doing a you're doing a scene uh, uh the scene that you're creating needs to have the emotional undercurrents that you would that would be present in a musical show and the, you, you're thinking about the relationships you're thinking about the vulnerability and the emotion in the mm -hmm. characters um, and then if you layer on top the games the short form games onto a good clear dramatic foundation then i think you've got a really then you can have really good short form because the silliness of the games is now has a foundation do, do you know what i mean it's oh, like 100 percent. i, I totally yeah. agree because i mean if your character doesn't have a point of view or doesn't feel mm. anything or react to anything you could be doing the most fun short form games but it's not going to go anywhere nothing's really going to happen or change or anything like that which is the whole point because it's scene work essentially there's a game to it but it is a scene at the end of the day as well yeah exactly yeah so no I, I think it's been it's been great for that um and yeah i've i've come to really love it i mean i i know you know no way did i ever think i'd be doing improvised musicals i mean i'm not even really i don't even watch musicals um you know i don't, you know i no way i i can't believe i'm doing them um but who who knows i mean they're, they're so much fun um and and really rewarding so i've come i've come to really love it wow so you did a 180 i love it <laughs> yeah you just don't know do you until you you try these things and you you might fall in love with one thing and and not something else and you had no idea until you gave it a shot so true so true Mm. And um, how did the inflatables come about? For anyone listening, inflatables are a really fun short form team uh, based in London. And did you found it, Andrew, or did you join the team, or how did that come about? Yeah, I I founded it with Steve Rowe about ah. ten, about ten years ago. Yeah, I didn't know Steve was part of inflatables. Yes, yes, it was sort of our uh, our sort of brainchild. Um, basically, so I had been in that group Cannonball, mm -hmm. and then. I think a lot of performers, they do the short form and then they move on to the long form and they kind of say, you know, a bit of a fond farewell to the short form. Um, and I never fell out of love with short form. Um, I just thought those shows were electric. Mm. And um, and yes, I'd, I'd done Cannonball in Edinburgh. And actually prior to that, I'd done a, a Hoopla short form uh edinburgh run and i i just thought those shows had an electricity um especially because it's so interactive for the audience yeah you're, you're constantly getting um ask falls from the audience and i love that interactivity and I, I think it makes such for such a great show well you connect with the audience so much quicker exactly 
Uh, exactly. I remember uh, Tom from Shoot from the Hip was, was mm-hmm. on the show and uh, a while ago, and he said the same thing. He said that's why they do short form in the first half is to bring the get the audience on board, connect with them, yep. and then the second half they can do a bit more long form kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. I I think that's such a good way of doing it, and I I've I've run some improv nights before, and I always do it that way. Put the mm. short form in, and it, I think what it does is it primes the audience for what they're watching, especially yeah. if if they haven't seen improv before. You know, if you go in and do a long form show, a lot of the time they go they they don't believe that you made it all up. Um, <laughs> they don't believe that that you. you you made up this entire narrative and all of these songs and things. But if you uh, preview that with a, a short form show, they're seeing every moment, every game they can see every, all of this is made up. Um, and then, and they've, they've sort of met the performers by this point and, and then you show them the long form. I think if they're new to improv, um, they are, they're in a better place to appreciate the long form. Oh, 100%. Um, it's a bit like Penn and Teller. You know, they show you mm-hmm. how they do the magic trick and then they do it and they still wow you. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's great. That's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. So, um, uh, where, where were we? Um, uh, yeah, so, the, the, so you started infl- with Steve. Inflatables, yeah. Yeah, so... So, yes, yeah, so a lot of people sort of said goodbye to short form. And I was just like, I, there, there's more in the tank here. I, I just think I love doing these short form shows. The audiences respond to them so well. Um, I want to keep doing this. So really, I mean, Inflatables was a sort of, sort of modified version of Cannonball and basically taking the games that I thought really worked well and really just continuing that. and. And then over the years, um, uh, working with more and more experienced improvisers and getting really experienced improvisers to do short form, I think, you know, then you can get those scenes that we were talking about, Mm. really good platforming, and then you're layering on top of that all the games. And I just think you have a really, really fun show. Oh, hundred percent! Like I, I've seen mm. you guys perform, and I actually guested with you guys, and I loved it. Yes, you did. It was, it's so much fun! It like no, it's, it's great it, having you. Oh, thank you. But I, I really enjoyed it, and I totally agree. I mean, you, you guys bring such a fun energy to the stage, and you could tell the audience was having so much fun watching you, and it, you definitely stand out in terms of the short form scene, big time. And mm, thank you. Yeah. No, no, genuinely, genuinely, and. Um, you also do two prov with Susan Harrison in Beings, which I am yeah. a massive fan of. I've seen you guys quite a few times. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, um, so we were in a long form group that I had started up called Story Bag, um, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said it as well. It's like Story Bag. Yeah, no, no I, the word bag seems to enter uh, various projects of mine for reasons i haven't um <laughs> uncovered yet but anyway um so it was called St- story bag and that was uh, a group that was um i'd sort of assembled people so kind of from the hoopla end mm-hmm. like um uh, uh michael brunstrom and uh, nicola kidner or uh, nicola leach as she is now and dylan buckle who uh, um uh does imp- uh, did improv and did music for our shows and pulled them together with uh, i had done david shaw's harold course and there on that course i met uh, alex fredera uh, amy bailey and sue harrison 
Um, ah. And I sort of sort of cherry picked people that I really loved working with and had that kind of playful spirit that I love. And I wanted to have a go at doing some sort of P-graph style uh, long form narratives. And uh, P-graph actually coached us one or two times, uh, which was a, a great, just real privilege for you know my heroes to be to be in the UK coaching yeah, I us. Bet. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just so inspired by. I just I can't stress enough how how inspired I was and still am by P-graph because I a couple of times I've been over to Austin and I'll I'll watch their shows and every time I'm just you know blown away. Um, so anyway, I. I uh, they had coached us. So, so we were doing these um, long form narrative shows um, and that was super fun. And one day uh, we had a gig and only Sue and I were available to perform. Um, and I, as you know, with time, it can be hard to maintain these groups, especially if they're very informal and you know they're not really businesses they're not making any money people people's careers take off you know uh, amy was getting a lot of tv work uh, and film work Uh, michael brunstrom um, does these one-man shows now uh, which are amazing Um, people start families and you know they sort of go their own way Um, so with sort of numbers sort of dwindling and uh, uh, and such like. Uh, so Sue and I were the only two available to do a story bag show. So, but the two of us, um, Sue is an incredible character performer. And I think we've always had sort of similar instincts. And so I think we'd, we'd talk, we'd mentioned once or twice, oh, maybe it'd be fun to do a two-prov one, one time and see what happens. And we were kind of forced into it. Um, and we really enjoyed it. And wow! So it it came about mm-hmm. organically. Then it wasn't like a choice on either of your parts. It was just you were both faced with that option. And you kind of embraced it. Yeah, yeah. We were sort of sort of sort of sort of forced into it. Um, and we had Dylan uh, with his guitar uh, doing uh, some pro- providing some underscoring. Mm. Um, and at this point, it wasn't even called it wasn't called Beings. It was it was still Story Bag. Um, and the thing is, with two profs, they're so they're so much easier to organise because yeah. there's just well, two maybe three people if you've got music. Yeah. Um, and you know, especially if you're you know in, a, in you know a fairly informal uh, thing. And then we we enjoyed that so much, and and it was so easy to organise that we that another opportunity came up to do some some two profs. I think. Uh, uh, the nursery when they were still performing under the railway bridge they they had some a night there and we sort of signed up and and moments before because we had to give them a name we had to give them a name for our group and so moments before that show we were like well, what should we call ourselves <laughs> uh, we realized that we sort of we play uh, sort of animals uh, we play uh, humans uh, we play spiritual entities uh, we play all these things i guess they're sort of I guess they're different kinds of beings. <laughs> um, so we just called it beings. I love that. That's, that's a beautiful way to start a name. And yeah. were you nervous doing two prof? Had you done it before? Or was this your first time performing in two prof? No, this was this was the first time. Wow! Um, so like everything else, you you went in. You you weren't that bothered if it didn't work, yeah. and you just embraced it. Just <laughs> and, uh, just sort of go for it. Um, but also, you know. 
you know, casting is, is such a big deal. And, mm. you know, um, when you're working with someone like Sue, uh, and obviously that, that casting was just organic that came out of Storybag. There was no deliberate casting. But when your cast is Sue Harrison... You, you haven't got a lot to worry about. <laughs> well, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's a beautiful dynamic between the two of you. Like, you both seem to get so much joy from one another on stage, and it's, like, really fun to watch. So I think it's mm. both it's both sided, you know? It is just like playing playing in a sandpit with a good friend. <laughs> um, uh, I think we, we both just really respond to... Um, just leaping into character uh, and playing all sorts of different things. Um, I think that's it. There's that sense of a totally blank canvas and this really can go anywhere. Um, and you might be playing a slug in one scene and then the next scene you're playing the sun. Um, and I think our imaginations are kind of similar. Um, so, so that's perfect it, then. Yeah, yeah, it just, and again, it just, it just sort of, it found its, found its way into being, uh, excuse the pun, um, but it, it just sort of did, like, you know, we, we both sort of had those, those similar instincts and it, it just, yeah, f- felt like a good imp- improv match, so. And how did your first show mm. go? Did it go well? Yes, yeah, uh, it went really well, the, the audience really responded to it and there was a real sense of, I, I think in, in, in that first show when we were actually called beings, I think like I played a sphinx <laughs> at one point, and it was just it was it was totally non-verbal. It was just it was just sort of um, it was very strange. I, I can't remember it, but it was, and I just remember Sue responding to the uh, the physicalities and uh, matching and complimenting whatever i was doing and then and vice versa and it was kind of surreal but it it, wow. it sort of it sort of made sense in a way yeah um, you were just so in mm. tune with one another and that's 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 exactly what you want in prof i think that's it um and i think there is a sort of shared understanding that if you can get if you can get relationship down mm. it doesn't matter whether your scene is between a minotaur and a pair of and a, a set of car keys. Um, if you can establish a relationship between these two things that shouldn't be in the same world universe, yeah. you can um, you can you can do a scene about anything uh, with any kind of characters, and and you can and it's the fun of of mashing together these creatures that have no business sharing a stage together. Love that. Uh, and do you have any agreements in terms of the show? Like, is is there like a, an opening that you all, always start with, or is it like a, a goal throughout the show that you both agree on? Yes, there there is a structure. So we get we get three ask fors from the audience, and those those will form the inspiration for the three sort of story loose storylines that we set up. Mm-hmm. And and then we, uh, as the show goes on, we sort of blend the storylines, if 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 sort of links appear. So if there are sort of thematic links or uh, or geographical links or whatever, 
so we try to sort of blend them in, in some sense towards by the end of the show. Ah, cool. Mm. So you so they're they're it's like a Tarantino film. They're very loose <laughs> plots, but you they all merge together by the end. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we we don't force it too much. Like you know, sometimes you're on scene two and it just wants to keep going for 15 minutes and in a 20 minute show yeah so we'll we'll still get a, a, a at the very least a reference to the other words but it, it we just sort of feel it as we go um but yes ideally we'll try and bring the scenes together or at least two of the three uh uh, and and bring them together by the end, yeah. So in a way, it, it it sort of borrows, I guess, from the Harold a little bit in that way. Yeah, like the 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 three beats merge mm. into like the final scene. Yeah, I, yeah. I get you, but obviously that's tricky if you're doing an organic narrative show because you can't be planning or like you know creating a structure or anything like that. That's it. That's it. Um, it, it's sort of, it, I guess, it's nice to sort of start three start three threads and have a good set of characters um, and then see how they can merge. And, and the other thing it allows for is because you've got, you've got quite a few characters now that the two of you are playing. So there's an opportunity then to play, you know, there's two actors, but you could play eight characters on stage um, and you can leap into each other's characters. I, and how do you go about that? Do you do like... Uh ghosting like tj and dave where you'll just walk with purpose and you're suddenly the other character or mm-hmm. do you do you like do you walk off and come on as another character like do you have any tricks for that it's usually just of crudely launching across the stage <laughs> and hoping sue jumps out of the way before i get there and then and then, and then she's she's then she's become my character at the other end of the stage and uh, we carry on like that so it's it's really just sort of leaping around clumsily and um love it and then trying to do the voice of of the other character um yeah yeah and uh, do you have any tricks for, because um, obviously it's tricky if you're doing multiple characters in one show and, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be fairly specific with, as you said, voice, and physicality and, you know, the, the emotional range of the character or the point of view. So do, do you try and make a note of it with the character? Are you like hyper focusing on what Susan's doing just in case you're about to play that character or how do you go about it? Uh, yes. I mean, if if you're doing a show, I mean, if you're doing it, any show and i i teach an accents and impressions course and one thing i i try to impart is um if you can have a very strong clear physicality for a character um not only is it easier to do a a voice that is other than your own because you've sort of contorted yourself physically it becomes a hell of a lot easier to return to that character mm. because it's so clearly defined um so if you're playing a load of different characters the more clearly defined each one is uh the yeah the easier it is to to jump back into that character uh and and yes you're uh, as ever paying attention like crazy to what your scene partner is doing and then Yes, and then it's obviously easier to to try and attempt what they're doing when when it when it's time to jump into their character. Great, and mm. you've kind of mentioned it already, but you're known for your character work. Is that something you've always kind of been conscious of from your acting days, or 
is it something you just found you enjoyed and you just developed further it's the entire reason i got into uh acting and made those um camcorder videos you know when i was seven (laughs) is i just loved just loved playing characters and um jumping into personas other than my own um yeah i i I really enjoy that um and you just sort of get to explore a completely different world and that i think that excites me more than anything uh when it comes to improv um so that's why beings is so fun because it, it really is a blank canvas where you can just become anything yeah uh and that's so exciting so yeah yeah i i it i think you know improvisers come to improv from different backgrounds and certainly uh sort of a, a character performance is is probably my my way in and with like physicality and voices if you mm. hear an interesting accent or you see someone with unusual physicality do you take a conscious note of that or is it just sometimes it'll just come to you in a show and you just start doing it um i think usually uh if i if sometimes the way someone uh speaks or moves um will just strike me for some reason i don't know why Mm. Uh, something will interest interest me about it um and I, I think this is why Christopher Walken is so um, uh, compelling to a lot of impersonators because it's such a strange way of speaking. Yeah. And so, it, if anyone strikes me in that way, then I'm I'm just sort of compelled to. I guess if I were to tell someone else about how this person spoke, it, almost without thinking, I naturally mimic them. Mm. So it's it's a way of sort of communicating what I experienced. Uh, it just sort of it sort of happens automatically. Um, but over the years, and I I do some work as a voice actor now. Um, I if I need to mimic someone, then I I sort of have a process of um, uh, trying to observe observe them, uh, usually on YouTube, and uh, and then trying to mimic them for the project. Ah, right. And is it the same for physicality then? You'll just, you'll see someone that like sits in a certain way or walks a certain way and then it's just something you kind of take note of and then it might just pop up in a show kind of subconsciously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what I've started doing is, is making a list of any voices or um, whether they're impersonations or if they're just voices that struck me you know at some point in my life that i've encountered and i try and make a list of them um and and then i try and add to that and that now forms a kind of vocal wo- workout before a show oh wow so is that how you prepare for shows you do like a vocal wor- uh, workout and kind of get loosey-goosey it's one thing yeah um because i, I don't know if you've ever found this but if if i've been watching a lot of like scorsese gangster films um, I'll be sort of pottering around. I kind of talking like De Niro, like this. I'll be going around like this. I'll be going in the supermarket. Hey, I got a cauliflower here. What are you doing? You know, I'll just I'll just be doing that. Um, yeah. And you'll be sort of being in sort of uh, Scorsese gangster mode. And 
that sort of uh, in the forefront of your brain. So what, and I, you know, I love movies, you know, and a lot of the, the voices I do sort of come, come from movies. Mm. Um, and it's a good workout because you kind of go through all these other voices and there's all these other ones that I haven't done, you know, and it, it kind of um, brings into the orbit of your brain all of these other voices. And so when you go on stage, you're kind of like, um, you, you kind of have readier access to a wider range of voices. Now, that that being said, ideally, in a show, you will have to do a voice that you've never done before, and you will have to, you know, come up with something. Um, but it's just kind of a good workout, just to sort of blow out those possibilities before a show if you're stuck in gangster mode or whatever if you if that makes any kind of sense no and i totally know what you mean you kind of broadens your mind a bit i suppose to what you mm. can do as opposed to what readily comes to mind exactly and, yeah and do, what other things do you do to get ready for shows do you do anything like physical or do you like get yourself into a calm state of mind or like what's your tips yeah um i love to so if you, so uh if i'm with the group then i love to play uh mimic uh, I call it mimic, but I think it goes by different different names. Um, but it's the one when you're you're in a circle and you say and do something, and then the next person mimics exactly what you just said and did, oh, and they mimic yeah. your voice and everything. And then the next person mimics you, and then the next person mimics them. And you don't try and change it or push anything, but you just pay attention like crazy and mimic exactly what you just saw. Um, and I think that's such a powerful, simple exercise uh, because, you know, what what is improv if it's not paying attention like crazy to your scene partner and using that to inspire what you do? So, so I love I love that warm up. Yeah, it's a great one. Um, but in terms of uh, sort of sort of personal warm ups, uh, yes, I'll I'll try and uh, work out uh, you know uh, come up with some sentences from my uh, list of voices, which, which in itself is quite good, just making yourself utter a sentence. Um, but in these different voices, um, but one that I love is to, if I'm feeling some nerves, is I just say yes in my head uh, repeatedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I were to verbalize it, uh, it would be it would be like a yes, 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 yes. And I'm feeling the nerves while I'm doing that, and it kind of transforms the nerves into excitement. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. That's really cool. Um, and you can do it in a group, and it, it sounds like you're having some kind of collective orgasm. But um, <laughs> um, but it, I think it, it, it yeah, it, it it takes the nerves and it makes makes sure that they're working for you. Um, yeah, it, it sort of because you know nervousness and excitement are very similar energies. It's just that one's got a negative spin, and by doing the sort of yes, yes, it gives it a kind of a positive charge. Um, so I, I, I'll bust that one out if I'm feeling a little bit nervous pre-show. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a, I'm going to try that. And, yeah, try uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> and when did you get into teaching, Andrew? Um, yeah, so I think uh, Steve offered me the chance to teach uh, a level two class about five or six years ago now. Um. Yeah, and it, it 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 just felt like the right time. 
um, because when you've done improv for a while, you pick up a sense of what things work and what things don't. And, you know, I said before that I love doing these classes and traveling around the world doing classes from um, different improv companies. Mm. And you sort of start to pick up what, what are those sort of power notes that seem to lead to really good performances. Um, and so I'd sort of gotten to a point where, you know, I might be watching shows and going, you know, I'm really inspired by that. Or I might watch a show and go, do you know what? I, if, if I could, I would just sprinkle a little bit of that. If I could just give that note there, I think that could really bring that out. So you sort of find yourself wanting to um, talk about the, the, the sort of the mechanics of improv, like what, what things seem to just really work yeah. and bring out shows. Um, and, and having, you know, run several groups, you kind of observe, now, what are those things that we tried that just didn't, even though we worked hard, hard as hell on this thing, the show isn't, isn't quite banging and it needs to be um i mean what i mean such a powerful note i mean at one point i think it was in story bag and we were getting very particular about narrative and trying to hit all of these hit all of these beats and 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 get the sort of the structure down and we were we became i think a little bit too prescriptive so it became sort of like coloring in you know coloring in a, a, and and it didn't have that dangerous verve and creativity and that, that kind of roller coaster feeling that you're really cooking and you're making it up as you go along yeah um and i think i think it was sort of mark beltzman i was doing a course with him and he i think he had a note of talk to each other about how you feel about each other and just that note we we could just we could throw away we we had a sense of narrative like it's good to have a sense of story story spine you know what makes for a satisfying narrative and a and a satisfying ending but yeah. we could basically throw away the template and actually let story come out of relationship and relationship comes out of the characters um paying attention to each other and talking to each other about what they, how they feel about each other and so you're making the show from the inside out. Oh, I love Whereas that. Before we were we were we were building it from the outside in and yeah. it wasn't working. Yeah. And it's you could have two shows and the one that's built from the inside out will just be alive in a way that the outside in show just won't be. It's just kind of a zombie show. Yeah. It looks the part and it sounds the part, but it it's kind of dead inside. Uh-huh. Um and so yeah, so that was a really powerful, uh, a really powerful note. Um, it's so yeah, true, so, though. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, any good improv show you see, the characters are so alive and they're so mm-hmm. present and they're reacting to one another, and that's that's what builds the relationships. That's what develops the whole show. You know, if you're on the sidelines, you know, working out what's the next funny thing you're going to say or trying to direct it, it's it's just going to fall apart because no one's committing enough and no one's really being present. exactly um and so for example so 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 when i'm teaching these are the kind of things or what you know i I would find myself looking at shows going i I, you know i wish i could actually give these guys that note and so naturally you want to um offer some some notes to people and 
and and so at that point you kind of go okay maybe i'm ready to teach now because i think i've got something to offer wow and is that what you kind of focused on then as a teacher is that commitment and that you know being present with your scene partners and that kind of thing uh, yeah absolutely that's the core of it and but I, I would say even before all that um rule number one is to have fun yeah um and i i know that's kind of trite but it's 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 been said so much it can sort of lose its power but it's so true that again the shows that weren't working were ones where we'd gotten so bogged down in uh process to the point that we weren't having we weren't having a lot of fun um and then when we said okay we're going to have first and foremost we're going to have fun um everything everything basically falls into place um even if you're working with total beginners if they're having fun um the show will work i mean it might be crude in some ways and it may not have all the structure but the audience will really enjoy it because they can see that the performers are having fun and having fun is what it feels like when your sort of deepest creative energies are unleashed it will feel like you're having fun and you know that 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 thing that made you want to get into improv in the first place when that is 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 sort of stimulated and that is unleashed it feels like having fun so my kind of note is like always check in with yourself are you having fun and if and if you're not you probably want to do something about that um even really dramatic scenes and serious work should be pleasurable you know on the deepest level it should still be fun oh 100 percent. i mean there's nothing yeah. worse even from an audience perspective if you've got two people performing and the whole back line looks anxious and you know they're biting their nails and they're you know looking at the floor trying to think about what they're going to do it's so off-putting yeah. and it's there's there's no joy there at all so i i totally agree with you yeah 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 so yeah so so the teaching so i was kind of sort of i felt ready to sort of uh uh, offer advice to anyone who wanted it um and and then and steve was like i've got a level two if you'd like to teach it um and because i do the inflatables and i do a lot of short form i felt very comfortable teaching a a a level that ends with a, a short form show um and yeah so i really enjoyed that fantastic and what advice would you give to an up-and-coming improviser? Um, it, I mean, if they're looking for somewhere to uh, have a go, I mean, I, uh, I, would put, I would point them in the direction of Hoopla just because, you know, a Hoopla drop-in because the climate of fun is so, uh, so strong and you can really take risks and you, you won't... You probably won't know anyone there. It's totally safe. You can just make a fool out of yourself for a couple of hours and go home and either never do it again or 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 come along again. Um, and then and now it's 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 great. There's so many courses that you can do now with Hoopla. It's incredible how it's it's sort of blown up into this huge organization. Um, and but in terms of sort of practical advice, I mean, uh, really the sort of the have the have fun is is my sort of number one note um and i think uh the the scene is in the eyes of your partner so pay attention like crazy to them use that we use what you're getting from them as inspiration for the endowments and the platforming that you then you know create the the scene and the story with 
And when they're doing that as well, you kind of get into this treadmill of creativity and the whole sort of show happens. So just sort of pay, pay attention to your scene partner. Oh, that's so important. And I totally agree with you. And I think that gets so easily forgotten. You see, often see people walking on a stage and they don't even glance at their scene partner. They just start doing something. <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, that's a bold move. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's really funny, but I, the, the more I uh, uh, perform and teach, the more I think that um, so much of it is just about drilling good habits. Mm. You know, there, there isn't actually... Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily um, look, the more you uh, learn and uh, and um, theorize, you know, do that more. That's a good thing. But more and more, I think it, it really is about just drilling good habits. And there are certain core good habits, you know, like listening, making sure that you're platforming, getting your who, what, where's in. Um, it, it really is about about just drilling those good habits and even if you've been performing for ages you can always slip into bad habits um you know you can become too self-conscious and those very basic powerful notes are so often the 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 same things you just need to hear over and over again so true so so true and Um, um what's your worst improv show experience and what did you learn from it um god let me let me think now um there there was there was an attempt to do a improvised sketch show in edinburgh um got about nine or ten years ago and we a few of us sort of jumped we were invited to do that and but it was part scripted and part improv right. and uh, the lesson from that is that 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 doesn't that doesn't seem to work so well and there was just one show where it just i think i got shot at one point and i just stayed dead <laughs> um because it was just excruciating oh wow <laughs> it just wasn't working because you, you know the improv part of you wants to cut loose because you but you can't because of the script but there wasn't enough script so oh god it was just a mishmash that it didn't really know what it wanted to be and it, it uh yeah it, that 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 didn't go too well that was that that was a failed experiment I and was it 50 50 in the sense that the scene would start with script and then go into improv or was it one person was on script the other person was improvising around what they were saying I think it was a, I, I think it was a bit of both, a both oh, of God. that. Yeah, it was just a, I think it was a ho- sort of hodgepodge of ideas, and it was like, I don't know where. I think the person who'd come come up with it didn't know where the ideas w- were going to go. It just had some sort of idea, faint ideas, and was like, I'll let the improvisers turn it into something. <laughs> and um, like they're magicians, they'll just they'll just forge something magical from whatever it is. Yeah, but it's. I don't know. There was too much script to allow it, you to really sort of go for it, and yeah, so that 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 didn't really work. Um, and I, I'm sure there have been, I don't know, maybe short form shows where the games weren't really ones that an audience could get on board. Um, I can't think of any specifics now, but. Yeah, there, there's definitely been times when you you could just feel that an audience were not quite connecting to to what was going on. Yeah. Um, 
Thankfully, they're they're in the the, the sort of re- relatively distant past now, so I can't fully remember them. But uh, there's there's been some yeah, there's been some times when you're like, Whew. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to there. this wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a long tube journey home after this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, um, and I think I think sometimes if you're doing like a, a musical or a long form, and if you haven't if you haven't laid good foundations, if you haven't created good, clear characters with clear objectives, it can be very hard work then to fill that 40 minutes because you haven't got strong foundations, you haven't got relationships and characters that the audience can connect with. Yeah. Um, and so it's so important to start well. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's so, so true. And uh, what's one of the best shows, improv shows you've seen? Uh, one of the best I've seen um, would, uh, I, I've got to say, I mean, I, I, it's going to be P-Graph again, Parallelogrammophonograph, the, the Austin, Texas group. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw one of theirs. And it, again, the, 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 the stagecraft, um, the stagecraft, the the genre uh, uh, tropes and everything that they they'd learnt so well, um, combined with the silliness and the having fun, and, and they were they were even doing scenes where they they were suddenly cut they, you know using hand puppets as you know using their hands to to perform an action scene, um, just just going straight into it, um, and yeah that and that that was one of theirs in in Austin. And I remember again just being just blown away by it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Pretty much whenever they're on, I'm uh, I'm impressed. Amazing. I'm definitely mm. going to try and check them out. Mm, yeah. And yeah. who would you love to improvise with? Oh God. Um, I mean, so many great players. I I, I had absolute insane fun performing in the Improvathon a couple of years ago and it um it opened up a world of performers I hadn't played with before so I did some scenes with I think it's uh, is it is it J- Jacob Bannigan I'm sorry if I'm butchering people's names here um and I did, did scenes with um uh, Alan Cox, who um, I remember, he was in the movie The Young Sherlock Holmes, oh, which wow. I which I loved as a kid. He played Watson in that, and uh, I was doing scenes with Watson, and it was so amazing. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that it was so fun to play with performers that I had um, admired but never played with before. But there were so many other people in the cast there, uh, like Adam Megiddo. Um, and some of the, the the school of night players, and that I I didn't get to do scenes with, and so I'd love to do, you know, more scenes with, with the, with those people, um, yeah, and again, you know, all, all of my heroes, you know, the 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 P graph the P graph uh, team, uh, you know, if I ever got to do scenes with them, that would be incredible, um, and th- there's so many people in Hoopla as well that I. I guess back in the day did scenes with you know people like uh, Chris Mead for example mm. he's a wonderful performer and and in the Cannonball days we did a lot of 
shows together, but haven't done for a long time. It'd be fun to reunite uh, and um, play with some of those those guys again. Um, Great. Yeah. So it's quite a long list. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a crazily long list, but that's you know that's it. Um, that's fair enough. I'm only messing with you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Brilliant. And um, is there anything you'd like to promote at the moment, Andrew? Is there anything you got coming up that you'd like anyone to know about? Uh, yeah, uh, and I should have some upcoming accents and impressions. Uh, uh, classes coming up um, and I, they'll put that on the Hoopla website when that happens uh, and then yeah we've got a um, a an inflatables and music box show next Friday so that's Friday the 21st um, and we've got a beings show on the 5th of uh, June um, yes so anyway uh, I, I, details of which uh, I'll, I'll put on um, Facebook and the, uh, the beings uh, uh, Facebook page and Twitter um, so please yeah just follow Music Box the Inflatables and Beings and uh, you can find out where our next performance dates on there fantastic well Andrew thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been such so much fun catching up with you and chatting with you and oh mate it's uh, it's I've had a I've had a blast thanks for thanks for inviting me no pleasure pleasure and I hopefully see you soon yeah absolutely Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look after yourself, man, and uh, be safe, and uh, I'll talk to you in the not-too-distant future. Will do, buddy. Take care. Ah, so great catching up with Andrew. <laughs> Always a good time talking with him. So interesting here about his improv journey and, and his character work and how he gets into the, the voices of characters and embodies them. That was so fascinating because you can really see that in the way he performs. I'd really recommend doing Andrew's workshops, his voice workshops, his character workshops, and classes he does with Hoopla. Definitely, definitely check those out, guys. Now, next week, I am talking with Lisa Merchant from Second City in Toronto. Lisa is a legendary teacher. She is incredible. It was so interesting talking to her. I had so much fun. She's such a lovely person and absolutely hysterical. So definitely check that out, guys. But that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, as always. Big shout out to Crow Wander for the theme music space fun. And that's it, guys. Have a good one. Bye.